Men need to get away. We live in a feminized society. God bless us. We, we need women. But we also need to get away and just be with men and, and hear God for ourselves in the context of a lot of testosterone. Hey, everybody. This is Troy Mangum. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. Did you know your life is a message that God is wanting to communicate to the world? Every episode, I get to interview friends of mine, people that I think are awesome, whose life is communicating a message that needs to get out to the world. Thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for joining, Seth. Pleasure to be with you, Troy. So um, you and I, I was thinking about it, you and I have actually known each other since 2009, which is, a, I know, <laughs> six. <laughs> Uh, and I, I look back in my email, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that's, so that's when we first did the hike at Mount Adams, was in 2009. Time flies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and let me, I like to tell this story because I think it's a funny story, is that um, when I first met you, um, you said, hey, friends of mine, some guys, younger guys, we're going to go hiking, and why don't you come with us? And so we went up to New Hampshire and did that. And I thought I was ready. And I tell you what, I was not ready to hike up into the snow at that elevation. And you were kicking my butt the whole time. <laughs> I was yeah. like, man, this guy's in shape. <laughs> I was hiding my own secret pain. There was, I had my own inner battles to fight, too. That was, that was fun. That was an amazing trip, but that was not easy. <laughs> so cold that night. I remember just bundling up in my sleeping bag and just cussing myself out. Why did I go on this stupid hike? I hate it. <laughs> it's cold. It's miserable. And we woke up and there's snow all over. And I, my attitude was just a, a real problem. <laughs> so you have, um, you've written a book uh, called Kingdom Journeys and that's been out for a little while. Yeah. And, uh, and so when I think about you, what I think about is that you tend to create environment. Well, you do. You create environments not only for younger people, but for the parents of those younger people to really push into what you call kingdom journeys. Can you, what, 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 is, what is a kingdom journey? I'm going to start there. Yeah, I call it a lost spiritual discipline because we see it all through scripture. We see all of the, the heroes of the faith have been on a, their own kingdom journey. It's a a journey away, a, a leaving of home, leaving of family, leaving of comfort zones so that God can help recalibrate us, uh, get us back in touch with his purpose in our lives uh, that on, only really happens when we are outside of our comfort zone where we're depending on him in, in new ways. So um, it's interesting that in our day and age, we don't really have that that sense of uh, a journey being necessary, pilgrimage being normal. Uh, the best pilgrimage we have in terms of uh, prevalence is maybe the spring break trip down to Fort Lauderdale or something for right. We We just have lost the whole concept of a pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So, so one of the key things that you've tied to a kingdom journey is something called the world race. And uh, there'll be some people that know about it and there'll be people that don't. So why don't you, uh, what is that? What is the world race? The world race is uh, a journey around the world in a year. Uh, we go to 11 countries in 11 months. The average age is maybe 24 years old. And young people go with just a backpack on. We put them in community. And they discover, uh, first of all, identity. They, 
as, as they leave their place of often false self where uh, voices that they've heard all their lives, their, even uh, their, their family and friends may have misconceptions about who they really are. But when they come away in community and press into the Lord, they can hear him telling them who they really are. And they can understand the purposes of community and they understand what it is to press into the kingdom of God. And it, it can reshape a life. I've seen 4,000 people go on this trip and it has impacted so many of them and changed their lives. Well, why do you think um, it takes that getting away to really discover the falseness of maybe what people are in and doing? There's a lot of good stuff too. We, and we love our families. We love the comfort of home. We love our stuff. We have garages full of stuff and we have Facebook and we have all these things that define us. But are, are they representative of who we really are? I mean, we, yeah. you're, a son of, you're a son of the living God. And, and yet so often uh, we live in a lonely place. We live in a place of isolation from, from our true selves where we don't feel that way at all. We feel like we're an orphan. We feel like we've been in some way abandoned. And we need to leave the stuff that it kind of oppresses us and keeps us in this pressurized environment where we're constantly scraping to find who we are and discover who God says we are. It only happens away from the things that uh, really are too much, too much noise, too much food, too much of uh, social media and uh, toxins, toxins that that poison the, even our self-image. Yeah. We need to leave all that uh, to recover who we are. Yeah, so God, uh, you you shot a note to me just kind of in preparation for this that, uh, you know, all those things lead to disease, right? They lead to yep. disease and they lead to addictions and and, uh, and and all the things that are like bondages in our life. Sure. And, and, um, and the thing that God is offering is freedom from that, but it feels like, you know, this huge jump, like if I leave the known, even though it's destroying me, yeah. Is God trustworthy enough on the other side of that, right? It's tough. I mean, it, it, uh, a fast is never pleasant. <laughs> yeah, good example. Fast, I just uh, fasted, uh, did a Daniel fast for 40 days. And I, I loved coming off of that fast and being able to eat the stuff that I like to eat. You know, we, we don't really enjoy that, that leaving part, but... The discovery part is all worth it, to discover who God made you to be, to understand what your purpose is in life. I mean, what more important thing is there than that? And in order to do that, we've got to empty. you got to empty to be filled, and you got to empty yourself of all the stuff, mm. the noise, all, all the junk that is American and, um, and, and, and not of God. You know, why do we have pornography addictions? It's because we have this cell phone right in our pocket, and it's yeah. so easy. Why do we? Why are people addicted to Facebook? Because the first thing they, they think of in the morning is, I wonder who who is uh, you know posting something new, and mm. all of that gives us kind of an ADD addiction that you just need to to be able to get away from that if you're ever to recover who you really are. There's a scripture somewhere in the Bible. It talks about Elijah said that, uh, you know, God was not in the whirlwind. 
right? God was not in the tornado. His voice wasn't there, but it was in the still quiet place. And I think that constant distraction is just that. You are distracted not only from your source of life, but the identity that God is trying to bestow and instill and forge in your own self. And you're just constantly in a distracted mode. It's such a wonderful thing to know who you really are, to know that you're okay. I mean, so many people walking around, they don't feel okay. God wants you to know that you are deeply loved, but you got to move away from the stuff that's telling you that you're not loved. Mm -hmm. And it's not any more complicated than that. Yeah. So, so tell me some of the challenges you've had in, in kind of creating these environments to push people out of their comfort zone. Because I'm sure you've had a few. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> I, I'm a boomer. I'm a baby boomer. And uh, we boomers, uh, we have fought to, to provide for our families and really done a pretty good job. But the, the problem is that the pendulum has swung so far. And so yeah, we, we all know about helicopter parents. We know about the, the fact that um, we don't do discipline very well. And, and that's something that we, we find a lot. We find, uh, you know, a 24-year-old young person going on the race and mom or dad are still trying to, to be there and to, and to tell them who they are and what they need and, and so forth. And, and, and you have this, um, this family dynamic that, um, although it's wonderful, it, you, you need to recalibrate it. You need to be recognized that this is a full-grown uh, man or woman who should be living their own life by now and, and shouldn't be always checking in with mom or dad to, to find out what to do or to find out if, if um, you know, they can, they can come and live in their basement. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that, that's a thing. Uh, I think that just the materialism is a thing. All the noise that we're addicted to, the earplugs that we always have plugged into our ears, all get in the way of the intimacy that God wants to give us and the, and the sweet moments that require silence. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, immediately I'm thinking about is what makes, what is your view of God that you must have a view of God that's sort of maybe not unique, but it's, it's like these young men and women can be entrusted into God's hands. Right. There's some sort of philosophical like this has been my experience. This is, you know, everybody knows that the, the, you know, birds don't fly unless they're kicked out of the nest. Right. Right. But but tell me a little bit, because there's something to what you're saying that's ops. It's not like I don't know. I can't put I'm I'm not a very good interview, apparently. (laughs) I can't put my finger on it. (laughs) Well, it is. uh, I mean, we live in a risk averse world. Yeah. In America, at least. And, and you know, we, we have these expectations that somehow we should never have to have any risks. But anybody who, who writes stories knows that you need conflict to have a good story. You need risk to have a good story. Things that you value have to be put at risk if you're to really value them. So mm. we, we as boomers, we, we value all this stuff, but our children don't necessarily do it because they – They've never had it put at risk, and you have to you have to put at risk those things that um, that are important if you're ever to be able to fight for them. So, yeah, we uh, one of the things we do is we we have coaches that go along with our, our race team. Mm. And these coaches are boomers like myself, and uh, we our, our our teams are maybe fifty or so. We call them squads. Yeah, 
and they go around the world and we come and we meet them in a different place, Cambodia or Romania or, you know, wherever they happen to be in the world. And then we will debrief them for uh, four or five days. Yeah. Last squad that I uh, coached, I mean, th- there were so many instances where uh, even their physical safety was put at risk, where they encountered robbers or they encountered malaria or they encountered you know, some people uh, were in proximity to just dangerous situations. And as a parent, you hate that. You hate that your child has to go through the risk. We hate to see our child fall down when they're learning to, to ride a bicycle, for example. Right. But it's part of how... Uh, we learn to fly. Birds learn to fly by falling. Yeah. You know? And and you just, that's nature. And we, only boomers, feel like we can kind of go against the, the, the way nature is built, that you, you have to encounter risk if mm. you're to go to the next level. And we cannot put pillows underneath our children and keep them from risk. We have to allow God to, to meet them somewhere on, the, on their journey if they're ever to grow. Yeah, I, I have discovered a God that wants to train us. Yeah, uh, that that is a loving Father will allow certain things, but it's not far. He's right there, and and it's a part of the I'm I'm loving you and I'm training you because if you don't know what you are capable of, because you're so insulated, you'll never know what you're capable of. Yeah. Right. And I need you to be a, a type that can face it. Adver- I'm, I'm just like it's been my experience, face adversity and and know you have in me everything you need to overcome the adversity, not only overcome it, but now you can help others along the way. Right. The- Absolutely. I mean, I first began learning these principles when I was in college and I, I was having a good time. I met my wife. We were in love. Uh, I had my buddies. We were enjoying our senior year. And then I heard about the killing fields in Cambodia. I heard about a couple million people that were being slaughtered. A genocide was happening in real time. And I heard God whisper to me, and and he said, leave. You you need to leave all this stuff that is wonderful in order to be able to fulfill my purposes, to go and to rescue the perishing, to rescue these refugees. So within two weeks, I was on a plane. And I was in Thailand in a refugee camp helping these refugees to, to find their way back to life. And I realized that the best stuff doesn't necessarily happen at home. Sometimes the best stuff happens when you just trust God enough to, to go into new places where he's going to give you his dream and ask you to steward it. So let me ask you about sort of another side of the equation. Um, the Now, you've talked about parents and their struggles. How have you found... Um, this process for parents has kind of actually shaken them up and, and helped them grow as well. Have you found that? Absolutely. For a long time, um, because young people needed the space to be able to live their lives, and there's a, a psychological pro- uh, process that is called individuation that, that all young people go through, where they learn what it is to become an individual. And, and young people need the space to do that. And and so we, we kind of kept parents uh, at a bit of a distance, but more recently we found, you know, they just need boundaries. They just need to know when it's appropriate. And so we've actually invited parents into the process and, and said, you know, encourage your young person, but allow them to go through this and allow them to kind of govern the pace of the relationship and, and when, to, when to engage and, and certainly pray for them. 
But along about month nine, we created a vision trip just for parents where they could come and the kids are, they've been out on the, on the world race for, for nine months and they've learned a new way of living. And it's a lot simpler, it's a lot more focused. Uh, they certainly have learned the value of community and kingdom living. And the parents come into that and it shakes their world. It's, it's amazing to watch a young person, a, a 24, 25 year old lead their parent into this, this space of kingdom living and to see the parent go, I never knew it was possible to live this way, but I followed my child into this space and I, and I love it. That's incredible. That's incredible. So I have had a burning question uh, that I do want to talk to you about. And I, I threw this out at you earlier and that is, um, and it's not unique to, uh, to any ministry really, or church is women seem younger women and older women seem to be more engaged. Right. Yeah. And, and so the question is, what has been your, what is your, you know, what's your take on where are the guys? <laughs> right? Well, there's a lot of reasons why I think that's the case. Uh, for one thing, today, these days, uh, men are, are just in a mess. Yeah. God bless us. We're, we're all, we're, we're, we're still playing, you know, video games at 24. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're still... You know, we don't have real jobs, and and so there's an immaturity factor and, and a lack of spiritual focus that um, that's just uh, that's just true. Women yeah. are more, typically more mature; they better understand things. But also, I think it's it's hard insofar as uh, we're providers and we have a career track. We have all these expectations, and we want to live up to those expectations. So it's probably some of that. I think that women are naturally more compassionate. They're naturally more uh, inclined if they hear about the widow or the orphan to, to want to go help. And, um, you know, as men, we may, we may need better examples that maybe we've never seen a, a father really walk out kingdom priorities. Mm. Whereas a lot of women, um, maybe moms are, are better at that. So yeah. There's, there's more women than men in churches. Yeah. You know, the thing that I have in thinking about it, my kind of take on it is um, that men do have that expectation, right? Uh, that there is expectations of them, and, and to go potentially and do this thing is maybe irresponsible, right? Or to be shunned, or to be de- looked down on, or, or even you know, kind of like, oh, you're going to go play or whatever. But they don't understand the bravery involved in letting go of God, letting go to God. Uh, they may see that as weakness when in fact it is true bravery and true strength comes out of it. And so they sort of, you know, take a counterfeit, my own strength, my own path, my own career, yeah. you know, my own means, um, and, and I'll fight it through and get to where I need to go. Whereas the process of walking with God is let go and trust me and let me guide you. And I think that process of letting go and trust and being guided, honestly, I think it's easier for women. Yeah, you nailed it there. Yeah. It is. And uh, all I can say is that it's for those guys that have done the world race, for guys that go on a kingdom journey that kind of uh, take a time out and allow God to shape their lives more intentionally, it's a profound thing. It's the best thing that they could ever do. Yeah. And I would say um, that seeing examples, that was so good, seeing examples of men 
that have said, you know what, I'm still surrendering to God. I'm still not relying solely on my own skill, talent, abilities, wisdom, etc. I still need God, you know, as an example. It's right. inspiring. It's like, wow, because people are like, well, how do you how did you get what you how did you get where you got to? And it's and it's like sometimes it points back to my surrender got me to where I got, you know, God yeah. led me yeah. here. God wants to, to make uh, our lives miserable so that we'll surrender to him. <laughs> if you'll just declare bankruptcy, I'll fill you up again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. Yeah, that's that's definitely. So, so, um, so I don't know where else to go with this. I, I do have one other question, I think. What you're talking about is so um, relational, mm-hmm. right? The cross the generations relational. Yeah, um, right. yeah, it's uh, relational among the community. Can you talk a little bit about that that role and maybe where s- certain aspects of Christianity have kind of gotten that component, you know, not quite dialed in? <laughs> I, I have seen that. Um our, our culture tends to be a little transactional and has probably gotten more so with the advent of the internet that uh, we, we look online and now, you know, it's easy for my wife to order her food from Amazon. So she can just push a button and the dog food arrives the next day. And, and that's the way life is. There's all these options right in front of us every day, all the time, you know, all different kinds of colors and, features that we can choose from and, and so we become very transactional and that takes us away from relationship and we tend to look at people in terms of a, a transactional lens and um, mm. it's, a sad, it's a sad thing because we have 500 or 1,000 friends on Facebook but how many true friends do we have and if we're dealing with them transactionally, not really trusting, not really risking, not really going for intimacy or community. Uh, it will be a lonely place for us in life. We need relationship. We need depth. And only only if we give people time and if we risk ourselves are we going to find that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's very, very true. And I think even cross-generationally, you get that, um, or I've been guilty, I'll just uh, confess, that I've been guilty of being transactional. Oh, okay, so I'll... I'll, I'll gain this relationship, but it's really just to a means to an end. It's not for the relationship itself. It's just, okay, this provides me a bridge to where I want to go. Right? Just very, which is, you know, you just kind of using people. Everybody's using each other. Whereas God's like, no, I'm giving. You know, stop trying to get. Right. <laughs> just be available and, and let me guide through relationship. And so right. that, but you found that as, as well in the younger generation, you've seen that. I think it's a, it's an, it's an epidemic. Yeah. It, we all of us need intimacy. Yeah. But it, so many, um, young people are not given the skills by their parents mm. or, or society to develop deep, intimate relationships. And so we, we need to be, somebody needs to give us those skills, need to, need to model it and need to teach us how to go deep. When you, when you put 11, 11, uh, uh, people together for 11 months, <laughs> they've got to work out some stuff. It gets so, oh my goodness, all the friction. And we add to it a complicated thing. We, we have a value, we, it's called feedback. 
but we practice it all the time. So instead of going to a passive aggressive place, instead of going to a quiet and isolated place, we're, we ask uh, each team of, of six or seven to gather every day and to give one another loving, constructive feedback. And uh, that's a paradigm shifter for people. They, they struggle with that, but ultimately they come out of there in such a healthy place because uh, they just won't sit they won't sit there and take a kind of a passive aggressive approach anymore yeah yeah well it's so funny because i um i walk with some men nowadays and i remember when i got into that community i i was dumbfounded because i said i the rumor has it that you have confronted each other and you are still friends is that true (laughs) and they're like absolutely but we all see what they would say the glory of of the person's life the the yeah. the, the positive the god-given positive effect of their life and we are all after that right it's not about oh let me shame you because you're a loud mouth or you like to talk too much or you're whatever it is it's about no there's a glory that god wants to express to you so we're going to work this out and and go through the valleys but come out and most people they just relationally they go hit a valley and they're like i'm out <laughs> basically well too painful why risk anymore you know it's yeah and that's that's so true it's true in families it's true with friends uh, and we may have little emotional capital available to yeah. spend why are we going to spend it why are we going to risk it when ultimately we might just encounter uh, rejection so we, we stay in a superficial place. Yeah, but when you have when you have uh, friends like that, right? That say, you know, I see the good in you, and I'm I'm not going anywhere. That yeah. makes a difference. It's a wonderful thing to be accepted, and for the bottom line to be, you know, I love you for who you are. Yeah, you could, you could not change, and that would be fine with me. But because I love you, I'm gonna yeah. speak the truth about something that I see. Yeah, and I would say men, they're more prone to say, "I'm out of here." <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Screw this. <laughs> we don't even necessarily value relationships. We, right. We might, let's, let's go hang out, but uh, do we really want to go deep anyway? I mean, what are we going to read poetry to each other? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I hear it. And that's another factor. But anyway, there's not, there's, uh, I'm grateful, and I know you walk in this kind of community as well. You just, you have, having friends as a guy is huge huge and if you have them value it you know and know that god's put it there yeah i think i i read that the average man has maybe two friends two real friends yeah so it, the irony is you got a thousand friends on facebook but maybe only two that know you yeah and uh, we were made to be known we we're made to be yeah. accepted and to have community yeah well look um i think i uh, want to wrap it up one of the things i haven't mentioned is you are the founder and director of adventures and missions <laughs> So yeah. I like to. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about not only the world race, but other things that your organization does? And sure, sure. So we're, um, gosh, we've been around for 27 years, and uh, people go on these kingdom journeys of all kinds. Uh, most most people that go through us go on like a week long mission trip, uh, often mm-hmm. during the summer. We're about discipleship. We just look at, at what Jesus did. And we say, how do we do that in the modern day? And yeah. where is a young person especially, but adults as well, where are they going to go to try out uh, that model that Jesus gave us? So yeah. 
we, we do that uh, over the course of, of uh, 27 years. I think we've taken 110,000 people on these trips. And we love the orphans and the widows along the way. We love the partners that we have overseas. Mm. We love to disciple and plant churches. We've got 7,000 orphans in Swaziland that we feed and, and disciple. Wow. So it's just, uh, it's just Jesus uh, with skin on and everywhere that we go. That's the objective. Yeah. Well, look, one thing is I, I got to say two things uh, to you. So I so appreciate you in your writing. And I know you have known you now for a while. Your vulnerability, your dealing with hard topics, um, really addressing things, the elephant in the room. Thank you for doing that. Just keep doing that. <laughs> you, you do a good job yourself. I, I love reading your stuff as well. So and and also just thank you for the uh, open friendship. You've always been. You've always just kind of had an open hand, and and uh, I've appreciated it. And it's personally benefited me greatly so thank you well we we need more uh guys that whose whose heart is to to go there and i i am so appreciative for you and and for uh the fact that you haven't gone away over these eight years yeah still here man we're all here (laughs) all right well look i'm gonna wrap it up but uh thank you seth so much hey guys i hope you enjoyed the podcast Hey, we're just getting started out, so any help you can provide to share it with your friends would be great. Uh, We just kicked off a Facebook page, uh, the Kindling Fire podcast. And uh, just any episodes that you like, uh, share it with your friends. And um, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can reach us at thekindlingfire at gmail.com. Uh, Or if you'd like any more information about myself or some of the things that I write, you can go to troyandkathy.com.